This episode of the Badass Ladies Club is sponsored by Badass Retreats. It's time to make your healing a priority. Find out more at www.blcbadassretreats.com. Welcome, beautiful friends, to this week's episode of the Badass Ladies Club. My name's Laurie, and I'm here with my good friend, Jessica. What's up? My other good friend, Todd. Hello. (laughs) How's it going, everyone? And we're so excited that you are here today to hang out and talk with us about all things healing and uh, therapy and all other goodness. But before we get started on that... Do us a favor and get on Apple Podcasts. We like these five-star reviews. We want to hear about how this podcast is like improving your life, your healing, your world. You can follow us on Instagram at at the Badass Ladies Club. You can check out our next Badass Retreat at www.badassladiesclub.com. All of the ways for us to connect. We love and appreciate your support so, so much. And you know what else I really appreciate? Our badasses like Todd Falk, who are out yes. in the world changing lives and doing so much good stuff. Like the more that we hung out and connected and got to talk, I knew that you had to get on this podcast so we could share the beautiful stuff that you're out there doing yeah. in the world. Uh, thanks for being yeah, here today. I yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah. And thanks everyone for following, following. Yeah, well, we're going to, all of the links for the ways that you guys can follow Todd are going to be in the episode notes of this episode. Yeah. So, yeah. We, so many things. Yeah, so many things. <laughs> and we're going to get into all of it yeah. today. The first thing I want to do is just kind of like go down the laundry list of the beautiful work that you're putting out into the world. Because most of us have like a job, okay? Mm-hmm. Or maybe two. Most like a job and a side hustle or something. Yes. Todd, on what the are other your hand, roles? Yeah, Todd. like has so many different things going on. So tell us about all of the things <laughs> that you're doing out in the world right it, now. I, I love it when you say that. I call myself an entrepreneur. My friends call me a hustler. <gasps> yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> so I am an entrepreneur, hustler, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you know, I'll go with both of them. Uh, where do you want to start? I. I mean, we'll start. We, okay, with, so like your jobs, you know your. A beauty school instructor. Yeah, like yes. Todd works with the next generation of cosmetologists. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. people that are going to go out into the world and make people feel better and look better and all of that. So yeah. being an instructor at the Aveda Institute yes. in Dallas. So so I've been a hairstylist for 30 years this year. Congratulations. Oh That's amazing. So if you remember Selena back uh, in the day. <laughs> So whenever Selena died is when I was in hair school. Wow. I remember when she died, all of our, you know, Spanish, you know, students frantically left. Mm. And I was like, Selena? Who's Selena? You know, is that your aunt? Who is that? (laughs) I had no clue who Selena was. Oh, my gosh. But of course, you know, she was like one of the only role models for young Spanish Mm. women. So that was very traumatic for Mm. them in that time. Um, so every time I, I always remember Selena, then it just came up. There was 30 years. So I was yeah. like, wow, I've been mm-hmm. in this industry for 30 years. That's amazing. So uh, love it. Absolutely love it. My my plan was I was not my plan was not to be a hairstylist. My plan was to be an actor mm. because, you know, I came from the whole, you know, dysfunctional family. I have a learning difference. I'm major dyslexic. You know, I fit the mold. And so my thought was to go to cosmetology schools to learn how to do theater, hair and makeup. And then I moved to Hollywood and then we learned how good I was. I worked my way on the set as if no one was applied for that job. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yes, I've been in the industry for 30 years. I have been in education at some form, fashion, pretty much all of that time. I have worked at, I worked as a cosmetology educator for collectively like six years yeah. and and still currently a cosmetology educator. Absolutely love it. The next generation of, stylist artist coming up i also i I do volunteer work there's a nonprofit organization i have a therapy dog that i do volunteer work with and absolutely love that lots of things with that and then recently i started a group called uh, hairpathy mentoring it just started off as an idea 
And it came from students that were online during COVID. And then, you know, kind of after things went back into place and you realize like they went all through their cosmetology school online doing Zoom with us and got their license. And then they were in salons. But this huge amount of anxiety set in when they realized they were in a salon and they've never touched a human. Right. But yet the level of need from their employer was to perform. They're working in a, an environment where everybody's performing, but yet they've never touched a human. And when you would talk with them, this huge amount of anxiety set in. So I thought it would be perfect to set up a group to talk about anxiety, stress, and trauma. Mm -hmm. And trauma that comes along in life and work with salons and set up groups with these salons. And so I got in and put it, put it together and I started working with salons and the thought was working with new hire interns, but yet the salon owners are like, no, the whole staff needs this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The salon owners were in with this. Yeah. So next thing I know, I have the whole entire salon staff <laughs> and it's me, an Instagram page, a flip chart mm -hmm. and just these great ideas. Okay, so this is already so much stuff. Yeah. But I want to first start with this idea that being a teacher and being an educator in any capacity is a big undertaking. It's a huge job, right? But I feel like cosmetology instructors specifically, like it's so nuanced because yes, you are working with um, adult education, which is different than working in childhood education. Mm -hmm. And when I mean adult, I mean you could be working with 18 year olds that have come right out of high school and want to go into cosmetology school. But you could or also like 40 be year working olds, with 45 like year olds that are in the middle career. of a career yeah. Yeah, change or any ability in between these two, you yes. know? So like the spectrum of ages, first yes. of all, means that you have to be really versatile, mm -hmm. but then flip the ages and make it about why they're getting into the business, you uh -huh. know, and that the motivations of cosmetologists to come into this industry are so varied where you can look at your own circumstance where you're like, yeah, I want to do hair and makeup in Hollywood, you know, and that's why I get into it. But the other thing can just be that a hairdresser changed your life when you were, you know, in your twenties and you want to do that for other people. Yeah. And so it's more of like a motivated mission to help people from behind the chair and to be able to hold that space. Mm -hmm and deliver what they need to know in order to pass the test to get a license, which yeah. is, you know, like the whole function of going to cosmetology school in the first place. But in addition to that, for them to understand what it means to stand in a five by five space yes. with someone who's putting their identity in your hands, you yes. know, and you're helping them craft and develop this image or pull this idea out of their head and put it tangibly on their hair, huge amounts of responsibility and to your point, anxiety and, you know, the, am I good enough? And do I know enough? And are, am I experienced enough? Being a cosmetology instructor is a superpower. Yes. Yes, yes it yes. is. <laughs> and not only you have all that, but you also have all different demographics. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Different backgrounds, mm. different ethnicity yeah and you know in the era we live in now ethnicity is huge melting pot yeah <laughs> and so you have all of this together and you put all this together in you know with one class right right and make it a harmoniously working together class because mm -hmm. we're gonna be together for a year right right so when i found myself doing this it was 50 percent teaching people how to be a young professional in their business but also your social skills working together which almost feels almost like a social worker. Yes. Yeah. And I can say the reason why I've been in it for so long is because I love the social working part of it mm -hmm. just as much as the creating part of it. And the thing about it is, is that you can go to a school to get a license, but if you really want to go to a good school, you're going to go to get all the other nuances mm -hmm. of how to be a professional, not just that piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much more than just having that license. For sure. Yeah. And you, what you're saying is resonating so much with me because I have said a lot, like for all of the things I was good at for 22 years working in salons, the part that I really loved about it was the energetic connection with people and helping people get in touch with that in themselves, yes. you know, and grow and evolve with that. 
that that was always what turned me on about the job, mm-hmm. you know, and that so much of working in the beauty business is connecting with people. And if you're good at connecting with people and helping them, yeah, like ride that wave that comes through because it's an emotional business and it's challenging and um, but so rewarding yes. when you're good at that space. So, yeah, yeah huge. Yeah. yeah. I, so, so cosmetology is one piece, one you know, aspect. of this instructor. Mm-hmm. But you also work behind the chair. I love working behind the chair. I will never not never say never, <laughs> but I don't see myself not working behind the chair. Yeah. And it's interesting is so when I put this on inst- Instagram and, you know, my guests see all the things that are going on, I have my guest message me and say, hey, I need to make, make an appointment. Are you still doing hair? Right. I noticed right. that you're doing these How other things. How can you humanly like do, do all this stuff? Yeah. And I, I laughed to myself and I'm like, well, thank you for putting it out there because <laughs> now I see what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Of you're doing this, you're doing this. Like, when do you possibly have time to do hair? But I, I messaged back and I was like, yes, I will always be doing hair. There's there's something about, I don't see being a hairstylist, I don't see it as you're going to work. Mm-hmm. I see it as uh, you're coming into the salon, I'm doing your hair, and we're just having fun talking about things, and I'm just doing your hair, and then you pay me once you leave, <laughs> and then you make a, your appointment to come back again. It's almost like friends of mine that love cooking. Yeah. And, you know, there's people that love cooking and you're like, no, let us help you. They're like, no, I got it. Mm. You just sit down and hang out and I'll just cook. And they're in the kitchen cooking and you're hanging out mm. Then they feed you love and then they analogy. even give you leftovers to take. <laughs> and you're like, OK, so same thing, except they pay me. Right. So you're coming in. I'm doing your hair and we're talking and you pay me a little fee um, and then we're done. And so that's how I see myself as a hairstylist. And, and, and it actually feel it, it, it fuels my soul doing for others mm. and, and that, that kind of goes with it and the good thing about it is it's 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 an income as well totally so yeah so i i will never never say never but i don't foresee myself not doing hair okay yeah. so then there's that part yes <laughs> so now let's talk about the volunteer work with your sweet pup oh love it love <laughs> it love it um so it's it's a it's a nonprofit organization and the nonprofit organization started out uh, years ago. It's, can I say the name of the place? Sure, okay. absolutely. So the name of the place is called Brian's House. Yeah. Um, it started years ago with Barbara Bush Sr. So that was right when Reagan and Bush was in office and AIDS was a big thing. Mm-hmm. There was no like HIV medicine. People were just dying. Yeah. So it was a two-story house. It's called Brian's House. And there was a big room for the girls, big room for the boys. It was like a 24-hour daycare center that help kids and family that are HIV positive are impacted by HIV AIDS. And so I would volunteer, do haircuts for the kids and stack up the little kitty chairs in the bathroom. And <laughs> the countertop became like my little barber shop. <laughs> and these kids were sick, you know, Aww. like they couldn't hold their heads up sick. And there was times when I'd ask, you know, where's one of the kids at? And they're like, they're no longer with us. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that was really close to me. So years passed, you know, I moved on years past and, I adopted this dog. Her name is Bunny. If you watch me on, so on Instagram, cute. you'll see her. Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes. So she, her birthday was at Easter. That's why her name is Bunny. That's she's a white, fluffy Labrador, mm-hmm. a, 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 a poodle lab mix. So um, I did work with her because I meant I, I never had a big dog. And so we kind of went through a couple different training sessions. And we we're dropouts because we didn't understand the training. She and I would look each other, you know. <laughs> And so a friend of mine goes, why don't you find someone that can like train and do like, you know, she could be like a therapy dog and you could do volunteer work together. And that's good exercise for her. You can do your thing and do it together. You know, so I found someone that does training for uh, AKC, uh, American Kennel Club Society. And we went to Home Depot and Lowe's. We did all of our training and all this. Then then we got, you know, certified and or certified as a, as a therapy dog. So I'm like, well, where am I going to go? You know, I've done like hospitals with friends and stuff, but where are we going to go? So I thought, oh, Brian's, Brian's house. house yeah. Well, fast forward years now, you know, there is medication for HIV AIDS. There is HIV instead of AIDS. Mm. Um, and so a lot of the kids are are um, are on, on, on all different levels of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So during COVID, we didn't go for two years. We went back recently. We went back recently 
these people, the, the teachers there are DISD, Dallas Independent School District teachers that, you know, work there as well. And they're like, the kids were like two, three years old when you were here last. They're like four and five now. And they remember the dog's name. Of course they do. They don't remember some people's names, <laughs> but they remember the dog. <laughs> and you're like, so we do make an impact. Absolutely. We do make an impact. Um, and the great thing with that is, is I was working and well, the director at Brian's house is one of my guests at the salon. And she told me, she says, your, your group you have, uh, this herapathy thing, I need them to come work with my teachers. So now I'm not only working with te- with, with hairstylists. Now this has gone on to working with teachers. Everybody needs everybody, everybody needs it, especially yeah. after the past two years. Yeah, yeah. So so. And then the last piece I was going to put on that is, in, and then we also have the therapy mentoring program where you're going on location in yes. salons and in other organizations. Working with people on, yeah, like how to look after themselves. And so all of this like discussion about all of these different roles that you have are for a purpose for our podcast today. And our purpose is to talk about mental health, right? And to lean into this from a different um, space because, you know, you and I have had the benefit of like having long drawn out three and four hour long conversations about some of this sometimes. Um, And I know that the work that I do a lot of times gets um, some heat Mm -hmm. because I'm not a certified therapist or I'm not a doctor or I'm not a counselor. Right. And that I don't have the chops to work with people in some of the ways that I work with people, which is cool. Like I get that like everybody has um, different avenues that they pursue to help work on their mental health. And that what you're doing in the world is changing people's lives for the better and helping them find their own path to Mm -hmm. the mental health that works for them, right? So talk a little bit about your experience working with your students, your in in school, in your mentoring program, in your volunteer work, you know, or your clients behind the chair because working with people behind the chair is... A mental health role a mm-hmm. lot of times. So talk a little bit about that. So I, I, I will start with why me? Mm-hmm. Who am I? And when I work in salons, part of what I talk about is why me? Because you're wondering what gives me the credentials to stand in front of you and talk about these things. Mm-hmm. So approximately about 15 years ago, there is a large LGBT church in Dallas, the largest in the nation. And I was doing volunteer work with a youth group. And we were volunteering and we were getting ready to go to like this, this trip to Honduras and we're building a school in Honduras. Great, great, great trip. And a conversation with one of the kids about HIV AIDS came up. And so I I answered in the best way I could answer. What happened to be one of the kids was one of the preacher's kids. And shortly after that, one of the staff members from the church said, hey, there's this conversation Thank you for one for handling the conversation as well as you handled them. And um, we're a large LGBT church in the nation, and we don't currently have a support group in the church. Would you be interested in putting together a support group? So, of course, we say what? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. Absolutely love to. And afterwards, you're like, oh, man, how do I do this? <laughs> like, I, do? I, I know I, can, I know I can, but I have it. And, and the thought is, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. You know what? You know, so I have good friends of mine that worked with. It's a newspaper called The Dallas Voice, which is a large LGBTQ uh, paper. And I went to them. and I said, how do I put this together? What? I mean, I know I can do it, but how do I put it together? So we kind of brainstormed some things and came up with some ideas and whatever. And then we went to a counseling service called Legacy Counseling Service, which they're still out there. Love the people at Legacy Counseling. Um, I feel like I'm giving like props to everybody out there. Yeah, so if do I it. do, please yes. follow. Please, please follow our, my friends. I love. Um, so the people at Legacy Counseling said, thank you so much for doing this. We need this in the community so much because most people don't have access to go to a counselor or therapist. Right. You don't mm-hmm. have insurance. If you do have insurance, it's still ex- expensive. And a lot of people don't really need counseling therapy. They just need to be heard. 
or they need a group to go to or in a group as a support group to go to. So there, and, and there's very few of them out there for counseling serve agents to give out to. So they kind of helped me set up of what does group counseling look like? Mm-hmm. You know, a confidentiality form to fill out. And mm-hmm. why do you need a confidentiality form? Uh, and they really coached me through when you're in a situation, questions to ask or how to respond to the, to the situation. So I got a lot of coaching through that. So I facilitated a group called FACE which at, at Cathedral of Hope, which is the big LGBT church, and did it for two years. And it was once a week for two years, and I missed two days because <laughs> I think I was sick one day and a vacation one day. Okay. And then I passed it on to someone else, and it kind of morphed into its own thing. Um, and through that is where I really got a, a lot of what I do in school as a teacher really came from that knowledge of, of doing that kind of work really supported me as a teacher. So when I started this group, Herapathy, basically I went back and used the same thing, you know, with Herapathy, but it's basically it's, it's group counseling, basically. Yeah. It gets your salons together. Now it's businesses together. It gets a group together to have them talk, open, discuss, and kind of navigate some of the thoughts that are going on. And so that's basically like how I started and their credentials of what I have and what I'm doing. And I still work with, with legacy counseling. I went back and said, Hey, I still need your help. You know, I'm doing this and like, great, we're always here for you. And yeah, so we, we take different situations. Um, there's a really interesting situation that came up with one of my salons is one of the stylists. Uh, we, we, what we do is we, we have our fixed mind. And we have our growth mind. Mm, I love this so much. Mm-hmm. And so our fixed mind is we are confirmed. I am not good at something. It, it is confirmed. I am not good at whatever, you know, uh, and that's your fixed mind. And so we take a list of things that are on our fixed mind. Then we go around and discuss. Tell me one thing that's on your fixed mind that you are fixed that that is a fixed mind thing and discuss it. And then we put it into our growth mind. So now how can we put that into our growth mind and how can we maybe change the script? How can we see it in a different way? How can we view it in a different, you know, and then it's really an eye opener to see people, you know, and so one of my stylists, a senior stylist, and his thing was, I'm just not talented enough. Like it's, it's, I'm confirmed. I'm just not talented enough. It's like, there's so many other people out there. They're way more talented than me. And you can go on social media. You can find other people that are way more talented than me. Um, and the interesting thing is the whole entire salon goes, what do you mean? You're not talented. Right. <laughs> you're booked more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like you're busier than anyone else. Like we're trying to be like you. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I know I'm busy. I know I'm busy and I, I know I do good work. But I'm just not the most talented. And I'm like, well, for one, that's not a bad thing to realize you're not the most. There's always something to work on. Right. It's much better than like, oh, I am the best, (laughs) you know, because we know those people. Right. So let's take that out of our fixed mind that you're just not talented enough. And let's put it in our growth mind. So for one, maybe what about you are talented enough? Let's just start there that you are talented enough. And then two, let's think about, let's work in workshops. Let's sign up for some workshops you can go to, to get that inspiration, you know, learn more in your craft. Any craft you're in, you kind of get still, no matter what business you're in. And you need that, yeah, you're doing the same thing, but it's just a little bit different. Mm -hmm. It kind of refreshes your soul, you know. Um, So it's like, great. So, you know, sign up for continued education. But the big thing with it is, is that it got the group talking Yeah. because now your group is like, oh, wow, like you're more human than I thought you were. Because we don't talk about those things and people don't don't realize that we all, most all of us Mm -hmm. have the I'm not enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like and that it doesn't matter how successful you are, how far out you're booked, how much money you make, what people pay you for your services, that human beings have these fixed minds about certain things and that it's all really just a story that you're telling yourself. Yeah. 
And it helps us connect with one another when we can be vulnerable like Mm -hmm. that and when we can open up. Right. And on this note, like, I just want to say, like, props to the therapists out there. I have clients who are therapists and licensed clinicians who rock it every single day. Clearly. And I'm so tired of this um, narrative that, like, you have to have this specific certification or license because like whether you're a coach, an intuitive healer or a hairstylist, um, you, people are still coming to us with their stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't ask my guests to tell me their deepest, darkest secrets. They just do. Yeah. So like, I don't claim to be fixing. I don't claim to be diagnosing. I don't claim to be medicating, like nothing like that. But people come to us with their problems anyway. Yeah. And that is a lot to hold as a service provider, yeah. right? So I think what you're doing with Herapathy is so beautiful and amazing because I didn't ask to be a therapist. I just became one. Yes. And so it's really important to have those tools and that support. And I don't care if you have the credentials to do that for me. I just need the support. Right. Yeah. And I think that's interesting, too, because people do come to us with everything. And we oftentimes have a tendency to hold it all in and carry it with us. And so I love that the, the, the mindset of, is that you're holding spaces. Mm-hmm. You're holding a space for someone. It's a safe space. And they, they open up to us because they know it's safe. Right. I right. mean, we've already altered the way they look, physically, mentally, the way they look. If they feel comfortable with that, then I feel comfortable telling you all my deep, dark secrets mm-hmm. because you've already gone this far. I can go ahead and tell you. you know. yeah. um, but that the fact of the matter is that we hold space. So we hold a safe space for you but we have to learn, too, of how to, like, walk away from that space. It's like, here's a bowl mm-hmm. of goodness. And it's going to be here when you come back next time. And I'm put it over here on the shelf. <laughs> I'm not going to take it in to me. Right. And I'm going to let you leave it here. But when you come back, we're going to come back and we're going to revisit it. And things will probably change and everything, but sure. it's here for you. So I think as a service provider, when we learn that we hold the space, don't take the space in, a lot of spa people that work in spas really because they don't really talk to people right but when you're working on somebody you're taking you're absorbing all their energy they don't have to tell you about their life you absorbed all their energy and some of the biggest work i've done with people that are estheticians in the spa they're like you know they told me this and this and i just feel i just feel it all and people burn out really quick Mm -hmm. in the spa world and that's it's like take that space just like with their facial (laughs) and put it on the shelf. And when they come in, you can pull their safe space out along with your facial stuff and then perform it. And, and that, and that's a huge way of thinking of, okay, I'm going to leave it here. It really has nothing to do with me. That goes back to that. It doesn't have anything to do with me, but yet we take it all in. This is like 90% of the work that I do with people is teaching them what's yours. Mm Mm-hmm. And how to separate what's not yours. Mm-hmm. And that it's okay. That in you know, you talk about holding space. Like that's the whole idea is that you hold it out here. It doesn't have to come all the way back in here, you know? Yeah. And we just recorded an episode on empathy. Oh, and like being consciously empathetic. Yeah. Because empathy can bleed into codependency and things that are really toxic and draining for you. Mm-hmm. And also just turn your attention outward to where you're always like up in other people's business, trying to help them with their things and not paying attention to why you feel the way you feel in the first place, you know, and that this idea of like holding space and being consciously empathetic was a revolutionary idea to me, you know, like when I first learned about it 10, 12 years ago, you know, like in the beauty business, because my whole job was holding space for people and being up in their business and trying to decide how I could help them with all of their stuff. Mm -hmm. Therefore not really paying a lot of attention to my own stuff, you know, and that giving people tools like this 
is critical in the longevity of staying in the beauty business. It is everything about why we burn out Mm -hmm. and why we just cannot do it anymore, you know? And that if service providers are like taught these skills and given these methods of how to remove energy that doesn't belong to them, how to hold space safely for their clients so it's not so draining, you know, and physically taxing and emotionally taxing on them, that your longevity is so much more solid and stable. And you enjoy this job so much more as a result of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. And and I I, I love what we're talking about, you know, you have to be a counselor or a therapist. You have to have a license. Circle back around to that. So when I have worked with licensed counselor or therapist about doing support groups, what they have told me is oftentimes people will probably open up to us more. Yes. And and, and then I, it's not anything about a licensed counselor or therapist, but oftentimes licensed counselor or therapist, that's what they do all day is sit and talk. We are actually in the field and working in the field, experiencing things and also working with others. And so there's almost like a relatable yeah. thing that we can relate. And plus the fact that there's just that different dynamic change. Oftentimes as a healer, as a mentor, people oftentimes feel a little more comfortable opening up with us and talking with us and us working through things. So there is a, a dynamic of a licensed person versus not. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes people do come to us and open up more. And that's what licensed counselor and therapist are saying, please, we need you. Like we need you because you probably can reach people more than, you know. This is fascinating only because like you, every, every licensed therapist or counselor that I've spoken to, and I spoke to a handful of them as I was moving into this, you know, career shift, they all said the same thing almost verbatim. Like if there was more people like you doing what you're doing, I may not have a job anymore and this is good. You know, like Uh I'm not threatened by it. I'm cheering you on Yes, because you'll be able to help people that I am not going to be able to relate to, you know, and that my clients aren't really your clients, you Mm -hmm. know, like there's room for all of us here and that any person with a license that I've talked to has been so supportive of it. Interestingly enough, the people that that are supportive of it don't have licenses, you know, like, right. It's it's all people who aren't in the field who have judgments about it. Yes. Yeah. um, That have the challenge. But if you talk to anybody that, or anyone I've talked to that is in the field of, you know, either being a doctor or just being a licensed counselor or therapist, they're all in support of all of these different modalities. Right. And they've all said the same thing. People just want to be heard. Exactly. Like you said in the beginning. Yeah. That people just want to be heard. Yes. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one awesome thing being here with you guys, with the the badass bitch ladies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, love it. I, I told all my friends, I'm like, I'm doing this group. There's a badass bitch. They're like, Oh yeah, I need more of that. But I think one of the awesome things is is being a guy mm-hmm. here with this group mm-hmm. is that men do not open and talk. So I think the thing with you guys or with us Mm. is that we could have this conversation with our female friends to reach out to our male friends, to bring our male friends in. And like we were talking before, it's when it comes to like suicide rate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Men are the highest in the suicide rate because for one, men will not talk to other people. Men will not reach out. They're like, oh, I got this. I'll take care of myself. It's like going to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Men oftentimes are less likely to go to the doctor just for a regular checkup because it's like, if I'm not feeling anything, it ain't bothering me. I ain't hurting. I don't need to go. It's like, well, it's called preventive. So you don't. And, you know, we're getting there. But men are like, unless they're having a a major breakdown, they're not going to go talk to someone. Mm -hmm. And so I think us working, having these conversations to reach out to our male counterparts to realize that as a man, it's okay to talk up. Yeah, You know, it's okay. It's okay to cry. It took me a longest time to learn that it's okay to cry. Cause mm-hmm. I, you know, I was taught you don't cry. Yeah. You don't, you know, you're weak. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, and it's like, you're not weak. You're actually stronger. Well, let me tell you from yeah. a lady perspective, <laughs> men who are willing to heal and do the work, super hot, yeah. super, hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. super sexy. Just putting that out there. Yeah. Um, 
it's so funny that you bring this up because we laugh about like how many we've probably had an equal amount of men on the yes. podcast. Yeah, as we have women. We love men. Um, and that without even trying, more than half of my clients are men. Yeah. And that there is this needle that's moving as far as the divine masculine is concerned mm -hmm. with men getting in touch with the medicine man inside of them. Yeah. The mystic inside of them, you know, like this core primal urge that men have to, yeah, like touch the space of where it's okay to express mm -hmm. what's coming through you and moving through you. And that before, if we look at a really traditionally, maybe like, let's say 50s and earlier, you know, perspective where men didn't have these emotions that they tap into, there is so much transformative power in men that are in touch with their mm -hmm. emotions and their feelings um, that I am fascinated by the men that are voluntarily coming to the surface and being like, yeah, I want to move into this. I want to work with this. Um, you brought up suicide rates. Yes. Right. And it is intense with men. It is also intense with preteen girls. Yes. Mm -hmm. And really with like children in general, you know, like that this, um, and I remember, like, I think a lot generationally about how things have shifted, you know, and you were just talking about Selena, you know, like mm -hmm. 30 years ago, um, that when I was in high school, so like 93 to 96 ish time. Um, like I remember the day that class ranks came out and six of my friends shot themselves. Yes. You know, like six people in my graduating class killed themselves, you yeah. know, because they weren't ranked where they thought they needed to be mm -hmm. academically. And that that's a lot of, that's a high percentage of people when you just think about like I was one graduating class. Right. And that suicide was always a thing. Mm -hmm. Right. But the way that it's manifested into this epidemic now where people feel that there's no way out, you know, and that there's no resources or outlets for them to work with. Um, this is the medicine that you're putting out into the world and all of these fronts, because so oftentimes those are people who just haven't been heard mm -hmm. and didn't think that anybody was there or cared. And now we have things like Instagram yeah, where you can put it out there that I'm holding this safe space for you and I want to support you and I want to talk about this. And this idea that like, if it's mentoring beauty professionals or if it's a podcast, you know, like that we don't want anything back from you. You yes. know, like it's not always about a financial exchange, you know, like that I'm here to listen and I'm here to support and I'm here to tell you that like, yeah, it's okay. And that we're all riding this wave and we're all feeling these heavy emotions and that this is part of our human experience. Um, and that I wonder so much about those six kids that shot themselves, you yeah. know, like that, that they clearly didn't have the resources mm -hmm. to express what was going on. And that does, but I also w went to Plano senior high. Like nobody was at a financial loss of being able to afford a therapist. That's yeah. not what it was about. You know, like it wasn't about, it was that they weren't delivered the resources in a way that related to them. And now I feel like there's so many of us that are like, here, would you like to explore these feelings in a, team environment or in a group counseling environment, or maybe you want to listen to a podcast or maybe you want to look something up on YouTube, or maybe you want to read a Brene Brown book, or maybe you want to, you know, like that there are so many different avenues for people to connect to what's mm -hmm. going on inside of them and have a way to process it. Um, that working on this concept of suicide prevention is really, really important right yeah. now in 2022. Yeah. And I love that. I had different resources to go to, mm -hmm. And not just, oh, here is a online portal to go to to read. Right. Like me, I'm major dyslexic. So if you have a learning difference, go into an online portal like that. Yeah, you're like, yeah. so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I want somebody. Right. I yeah. want, you know, even if it is a Zoom, even mm -hmm. if it is yeah. an online Zoom, if it's somebody, I want like a group, a support group or somebody or, you know, I want to, you know, and I find the fact that we are out there mm -hmm. to offer the service to allow people to be heard, to talk to other like-minded people. And, and, you know, we're talking about Instagram. And oftentimes what we see on social media is what 
people want us to see. Right. And we learn this with younger people. Well, I mean, all of us, but I think a lot of us with younger people right. is that yeah. it's the iceberg. Mm-hmm. We see the tip of the iceberg of this beautiful iceberg, you know, and we don't see what's all the way down mm-hmm. to the, the bottom of the ocean of right. what holds the iceberg up, of the time that it took to build this iceberg, that what it holds it up, you know, we don't see what the hard work people put into mm-hmm. things. So what it, we just see the wonderful part and like, oh, their life is so beautiful and wonderful. You don't see the underneath mm-hmm. part of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so beautiful to actually start showing the underneath part of it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to realize that there's more than just what you see on the surface. It is a big part of why we started this podcast yeah. was to talk about the dark stuff. Yeah. The with ugly the light, stuff. You know, yeah. like yeah. that you shouldn't just come up at, you know, midway point of your healing journey and be like, oh, look how evolved I am. And I'm so balanced. And I'm so like, I want to talk about flowers. Yeah. Like yeah. the fact that I cried in the shower yesterday, yeah. you know, like because it was heavy and it was a lot. And I had that feeling move through me and giving people permission to do it messy, mm-hmm. to be sloppy, to be human. Like your physical experience here is valid no matter what it is. And that sometimes that shit gets dark. Yeah. And that's okay. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you're broken. It means that you're human. And I love allowing people this space to be like, oh, it's okay that I feel like that. You mean it doesn't mean that I'm hopeless, you know, and yeah. that, you know, and that we've all been there. And social media specifically does have this highlight reel, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. space to it. And that, particularly when we're talking about younger people in social media, I feel like it's so important to be real mm-hmm. about what the daily. Yeah. Looks it's not like quite sometimes. transparent. No, they don't under, they don't quite understand transparency of and what. Yeah. If you didn't grow up in a time before there was social media, that's a really hard perspective to have. Like I remember before there were cell phones mm-hmm. and I still fall into the trap. You know, like, and so I'm really aware and, you know, have the experience to know that all of this social media stuff is just made up and virtual in the first place, you know, and it's not a real life thing, but I still fall into the trap, you know, like, and so knowing this, those of us that can be real in that respect, like Mm -hmm. I'm constantly trying to challenge myself on how can I get online and how can I present in a way that shows people that like I'm a human being too and that it's not all filters and eyelash extensions, you know, like that it is really important to be a whole real human on these platforms for the growth and for the longevity of all of it, you know? And we come from the background of aesthetics. Right. We're aesthetic. We're a filter. Yeah. So we're used to filtering everything, even ourselves. And, mm-hmm. you know, I and as a young kid growing up, I was diagnosed as being dyslexic as a young kid growing up. And I was in special ed classes the whole entire time. Mm-hmm. And as a kid growing up, I thought it was stupid. Yeah. You know, you were mm-hmm. called stupid. Mm-hmm. I remember teachers telling my mom that he will never grow up to pursue anything more than just work at the grocery store. Oh and I overheard these conversations. Yeah. So thank goodness at a young age, instead of seeing that as I'm less than, it's I'm going to prove them. Right. Yeah. And so I use that as a launch pad, mm-hmm. you know, and I love talking about being dyslexic and our learning difference. Mm-hmm. I call it a learning difference. I love that. But yet the state gave me a scholarship that paid for all of my cosmetology mm-hmm. school. And it's because I fit in the disability category. Right. So if you're going to give me money, I'm disability all day. <laughs> Uh, but as far Cash as you is. and I are talking, yeah. I call it a learning difference because yeah. there, it, it is a learning difference. Yeah. But as a young kid, you see it as I'm different. I'm flawed. Mm-hmm. I have to, I'm in the special ed classes instead of the other classes. I, you know, I call I used to call it regular class. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't with the regular kids. Um, but that is where really gave me my fire as a kid growing up to learn how I'm going to make something out of my I was going to become an actor. Sure. Because I was going to become something because I fit in the mold, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, of course, that didn't my, my aunt growing up. I love her. She said in my senior year, what would you want to do in case that doesn't work out the way you think? <laughs> so that's oh, okay. that's where cosmetology mm-hmm. school came in. It's like, oh, like plan B, like plan mm-hmm. A is not going to work out. Um, but I think it's that part of talking about what's going on and putting it out there and highlighting what makes you special. Mm-hmm. 
and it might be a special ed kid is what makes you special, but that's okay because you can make something out of whatever you want. I also think so much about, you know, like my maternal grandfather was extremely dyslexic and because of the years that he came up in school, like they didn't know what to do with kids that, you know, had these challenges writing and reading and learning like that. And so he wasn't treated, you know, Mm -hmm. and just kind of like learned in life how to function. And he went to seminary and became a pastor. And just the idea that he could read the Bible and speak scripture out loud to people and write a sermon and commit it to some kind of memory so he could get up in front of a group Mm -hmm. and speak like that. And not just speak, but like speak as an authority that people were like entranced by. Uh That's Uh, pretty incredible. Miracle. Like that that happened. And that so much of him understanding that he had a learning, you know, curve in the first place to overcome. He spoke about it so much as I was growing up Mm -hmm. in order to support other people that had any kind of challenge that they were trying to Mm -hmm. like look through and move through. And that I'm always so inspired by a human being's ability to be like, okay, so there's this thing that's wrong with me. Okay. But that there was nothing wrong with him. Mm -hmm. That was part of his magic. Like he could not have connected to other humans in the way that he was able to without having to bridge that barrier. So this thing that happened when he spoke and he learned and he explained things to people, he was so good of it at not despite the dyslexia because of it. Yeah. You know, and that all people have something like this in them, Mm -hmm. you know, where there's something wrong with you that you're trying to like bridge the gap and to flip that on its head a little bit and be like, it's not in spite of this thing that I'm trying to overcome. It's because of it that I'm so good at something and figuring that out. And you're such a beautiful example Mm -hmm. of that because now you. you are out in the world sharing your gifts and teaching people skills. I was about to say, and as an educator. Yeah, not just on a technical level. Talk about that. Yeah, (laughs) but like in this like emotional and spiritual way, supporting people, like it's just such a beautiful story. I'm so grateful that you you get to do that. That's why I always like to take things. There's no issues. No one has issues. Everyone has challenges. Mm -hmm. A challenge you can work through and work with. An issue is just something you can't work with. So no matter who you are, what the situation is, whatever life situations is, there's no issues. It's just challenges. This is making me laugh because I'm thinking about my hoodie that I got from Gino uh, Chapman that has, I've got more issues than Vogue. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And every time I hear issue, that's what makes me think of it. Um, I like challenges because it also sounds kind of fun. Because it's something to work on. Right. It's something to work with. Yeah. So a challenge is, well, how are we going to work through it? Yeah. What, what, what's yeah. the plan? Go ahead and challenge Bring it on. Me, like, so what yeah. is the game plan? So now we got to have a game plan. We got to put it together. So this goes back to your fixed mind and your growth mind. Mm-hmm. Where are we at now? What are we going to move through? How are we going to move through with that? You know what I would love to talk about before we get too far gone on time is this idea of um, like you have a learner's mind. Right. Mm -hmm. Like a beginner's mind with so many things. Mm -hmm. Um, And not everybody is wired like that. And I'm kind of like that. And I feel like Jessica's kind of like that, too. We're like we always want to learn more about something and improve ourselves, you know, and like evolve and expand. expand, Right. And there's this alternate way that some people operate in the world. Right. Where it feels like a lot of work for them to come at life from this beginner's learner's mind. Right. And they're like, have I ever not just learned enough? Like, can't I just be good enough where I am? And I don't want to work on myself anymore. Like I'm fine where I like, and what that switch is between this mentality of like, I always want to learn more and I always want to grow more and I always want to expand more versus the irritation or frustration with this idea that we're all learning and growing all the time. Yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. I, I think it's when you, as a learner, as a new learner, and when you say, let's practice something. Well, I've already done that. Mm. But I've already done that. I've already, I know how to do it. Oh, I know how to do that. 
Okay. So you're, you, you've, you've mastered it. You've mastered it that you don't need to learn whatever the topic is, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so therefore moving into that is you're always going to learn until the day you die. I mean, I think every living thing is going to learn until the day you die. Um, and so learning never, never stops. It's a lifelong thing. But some people get into that rut of either, well, I've already did it. I already know. I mean, I've already practiced it over and over. I don't need to practice it anymore. So if you don't need to practice it anymore, then go facilitate it. Mm-hmm. Go put it in use. Because if you practice, practice, but you don't put it in use. So if you if you know it well enough, like you've taken a test. And I've studied the test as much as I can study. But I'm not going to go take that exam yet because I don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you have studied all you can study. You'll never actually study enough. So now just go take the exam and do it. Mm-hmm. And more than likely, you're going to do perfectly fine. And nine times out of ten, it's like, oh, it wasn't as hard as I thought. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we get in this mindset of I've done all I can do. But I can't do more. I can't do it any better. So, the, but yet there's that part of I am not, I'm not going to move forward. I'm still stuck. Mm-hmm. So therefore, just do it. Just go for it. And and what's the worst that could happen? Well, and I feel like there's such a difference between like knowing and doing something. Yeah. Like there's a lot of things. Like I know how to do a one length haircut, but you don't want me to do it on you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, like that I have watched it been done. I have see I I could draw it on a piece of paper for you, you know, like I know all the technical steps. Yeah. But I have not done it with my hands enough to accurately pull that off. And so as far as the doing of it, I don't know I know how to do it but I'm not doing it. And those are very different things. I'm so glad we're talking about this because I want to circle back to, and you said this in the beginning and as someone behind the chair. So when I was still at my previous salon um, and I was trying to build the team, I interviewed a girl who um, was straight out of high school. She got her high school cosmetology license. Okay. Um, And I know that typically high school cosmetology programs, it's harder for them to get models totally. at a high school rather than a like, long... right. It's like a two year process yeah. rather than like going to a cosmetology school where yeah. you just get it done in a year's time. Um, well, I asked her and this was in 2021. This was not that long ago. I remember asking her, so like, I'm just trying to get an idea, right? I'm just like, so what do you, what kind of services do you like to do? And she's like, I, I don't know. And color, I guess. I'm like, well, what kind of color? I, I guess I like balayage. I guess I like lightning services. And I'm like, okay, anyway, I have this whole process with her. And then she tells me, well, I've never actually worked on anybody. And I said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and she and she said, I, I've never like done anyone's color. She said, I did a color on a mannequin like once in beauty school. And I was like, oh, and she was like, well, I was a COVID kid, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know? And I was like, oh shit, (laughs) this is our reality right Right. now. Yeah. And that And there were a lot of reasons why it didn't work out. She also wanted to do a nail business. We didn't do nails anyway. It didn't work out for many reasons. But I was both flabbergasted and had a lot of grace to give her on this whole idea of like, oh, my God, you went to school for two years to get this license. You've never touched a human being before. And you're trying to go out and do this incredibly hard job that requires you to have a lot of practice. Yes. And so I'm just like, so what is it like out there, Todd, for all, for this generation of hairdressers who had to go through school during COVID and then they have to get out on the freaking floor and perform when I swear to God. And like, even as a hairstylist, and I've been doing this for almost 15 years that sometimes to this day, people show me a picture and I swear to God, it's like, 
I want people to know it's not like I went to beauty school and they said this picture right here, this is exactly how you do this every single time on every single person. Like it doesn't work that way. Um, so I can only imagine for these COVID kids, like what, what is it like out there is my question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to, there, there's a few things that it goes back to. <laughs> there's a lot of things that goes back to, I'm yeah. like, how do I narrow this down? <laughs> Because there's your conversation, your conversation. Yeah. Um, so how it is for them, and, and this is where Herapathy yes. started. This is where it started. Is So the company I work for, there is like a boot camp that was put together. So salons were saying to schools, hey, these students don't know anything. They don't know anything. Um, salons would have people that would work for them, and they would work, and then they just wouldn't show back up to work. Yeah. And a week later, they'd come back to get their check. And they're like, well, where were you? So, well, you know, it just it wasn't a fit. It didn't work out, you know. And they're like, well, could we have talked about this? Right, you know? right. And they said, well, I'm not going to use you as a reference. So I didn't think I need to put a two-week notice in. Bam. So the thought is either they don't feel comfortable enough talking to the manager or to the owner because they don't feel like, like I'm just a no one. Like I'm the low man on the total pole. I'm a no one. Who's even going to listen to me? But you realize businesses need you. I mean, you are the right. backbone of the right. business, even though you're right out of school. So there's that conversation for businesses to have with new people coming in to understand where they're coming from, you know, and maybe even businesses ask, what is your experience? You know, what was COVID? I think things employers need to ask is what was COVID like for you? Yeah. I know that it's been about a year or whatever, but even like when it's a few years back, a lot of people were in high school during that time. So I think right. a good question that business owners could ask, not just salons, are how was COVID like? What was COVID like for you for your learning experience, high school, whatever? Brilliant. So I think yeah. that's a good question to yeah. ask because there's always a conversation. Didn't think there. about asking that. Yeah. No, no well, brilliant. Well, it's yeah. new. I mean, right. we're, we're, we're all new with this. We don't yeah. think about, you know, so yeah. hopefully this conversation will spur, you yeah. know, business owners to ask that question. Or anybody. Yeah, business. business. Well, business or just like being a good friend and human, you know, like that's <laughs> yeah. a great like question. Yeah. What was COVID like for you? What was COVID that? like yeah. for you? Okay. And if you're a business Continue. owner, yeah. it's pertaining to whatever your business yes. is. Right. Or, you know, um, so there's that part. So when we put together this, this boot camp, it was a refined version of cosmetology school of color application, haircutting, but it was heavily into consultations. Mm -hmm. Because the consultation part, when you're on Zoom, you have your setup at home. Your educator has their setup at home. And all of a sudden, you're a YouTube teacher is what it was, you know, because you're doing your best. And the consultation part is a big part. So I would say for new people out there that are into this industry and you're like, I don't have a lot of experience, or for business owners, the big piece is a consultation. Because if you could have a consultation of, Show me a picture of what you're thinking. In my mind, I can think of how I'm to put together this puzzle. Now, is it realistic to put together this puzzle all today? Or can we put part of this puzzle together in six to seven weeks? You come back in. We can put the other part together. But this is what you're going to see in this puzzle. Mm -hmm. So, a.k.a., is this color application realistic to get in one application? We think of this as professionals, but they... This is this, and I need to do this, and I've got an hour and a half to do it in. Yeah. You know? So you're like, break down your consultation. So if you broke your consultation down, it makes it easier to get exactly what are you thinking and wanting. Let me tell you what I can do for you today. Now let's talk about what we're going to do today mm -hmm. and what we're going to do in the future. So now you pre-booked your next person. But now the ease is this is what we're doing today. This is where I'm going to get you today. So this is only expectations. All I got to work about is where I'm going to get you today, not how am I going to get this in an unrealistic time. So that is what I've learned. People that have come through COVID in, in a salon and they haven't worked with anyone and their anxiety and their stress of like, I just don't know. And like the people I'm working with are so talented and they expect me to know color formulas and da 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 and haircutting they there's all this you know and i don't know and i can't i don't know how to say i don't know yeah so i think for them once you're on the floor of just take a consultation and break it down piece by piece but that's something that is missed during covid because how do you how do you get that during covid well i feel like leading up to covid 
in my experience, I'm not saying this is truth. In my experience, I feel like the idea of an apprenticeship was kind of dying. Like no one really wanted to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and now coming out of COVID, I think it's kind of everybody necessary. wants an apprenticeship. Yeah, yes. true. Um, yeah. So young hairdressers, yes, well, I, <laughs> do I, that. I, I, when I got out of, out of hair school, I did not want to work as an intern because I didn't understand the value of it. I didn't understand the value of why I work as an intern. You know, because I mean, I thought you got your license, you get out there, and I need to make money. I don't have anybody paying my bills. I don't need to make money. I can't have a low-paying job and fold towels and sweep hair, you know, for whatever. But then I also fell on my face because I didn't know how to formula. I didn't know how to do advanced cutting. I didn't know, you know, and I realized I had it was called a buy one, get one free special. <laughs> Come in today and get your hair done. Come back tomorrow, and the manager will do it again for free. <laughs> we call it a redo. <laughs> Yeah, but having enough buy one, get one freeze, I wasn't really able to pay my bills on that either. Right. And that's when I learned, oh, oh. if I worked as an intern <laughs> and then and that I could learn and then I learn more, I could work and then I could charge more. And then, yeah, there's that year, but I can also charge more and learn more. Instead of having years. Well, and that's why apprenticeships not- and boot camps and jump starts are so important because it's like getting your master's degree. Yeah. So to any young yeah. professional yeah. out there, just yeah. consider it. Exactly. Even <laughs> if you go to a four-year university, you're yes. still going to work as an intern. Totally. Yeah. You pass your bar exam to be an, a, 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 lar- a lawyer. Right. How many years of an intern do you work after going through X amount of years of college and passing the bar? And you're still working as an intern <sighs> right. before you actually have, you know, clients? So every every degree out there is going to go sure. through that, but it's worth it because you are going to get somewhere through that period. Well, and all of these conversations, because what we're talking about right now is just like technically understanding the job, right? Mm-hmm. So there are technical pieces like how to do the haircut or how to formulate the hair color, but consultation is so much of like having realistic expectations yes. with your guest and making sure they understand what this process looks like that we're going through together. And being a makeup educator, like that's what I help people with more than how to put on eyeliner. Like the biggest part of what I helped people with was how to talk to your client about, I know you love this look on the eye, but if you'll notice her eye shape and your eye shape are very different than one another. So I could do exactly the same look on you but it's going to look different because your face is different, right? Mm-hmm. And that these conversations with guests is, again, coming back around full circle, about connecting with people, mm-hmm. about hearing what they want. And even when you're talking about a consultation, a lot of times it's not because they like the eye makeup right. or that they like the haircut. They want they to want embody to, something. They like the way it makes them feel. Yes. So tell me how this look makes you feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What specifically is it? Is it the way her bangs swoop in front of her eye Mm -hmm. or is it this money piece right here that's getting you going? Like, because it's so fascinating when you get into it with a client, what they're actually seeing is never what I thought they were seeing where I'm like, Oh, so what you like is the way it flips out underneath. Like that's not what I was looking at at all, you know? And that this is the art of what beauty professionals do is connect with humans about the feelings and emotions that these images bring up with yeah. them and then find a way to translate it so it's right for you. Yeah. And in order to do that, you need all these technical skills too, you know? But if anything, it just gives me so much appreciation and love and respect for the beauty business. Yeah. And for what we do with people besides just helping them with their look and their image and giving them a service that they feel like they love, Mm -hmm. but that it is nurturing them in so many other ways. And that that's a big job. Yeah. And that you don't realize that when you go to school and you're learning to do this thing until you get into it and you're like, Oh wait, I do need support, not just on how to do the technical service, but on how to communicate and connect with people at a level where they do feel safe in my chair, where Mm -hmm. they do want to come back for the next appointment, you know, where they are with me when I have a price increase, when they understand that my kid's sick and I have to cancel your appointment, you know, like that all of these things are so critical to a successful business and that that's what educators like you and people that are out in the field working like you, like that that's what you guys are doing for people. It's really, really special and beautiful. Yeah. 
hug a service provider today. For real, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Um, as you guys could tell, we could sit here and talk to Todd for hours like, and days on end yeah. about all of this. We may have to do a 2.0 at some That's point. That's perfectly uh, fine. Um, I've already thought about many of other. Oh yeah, like, or, just, or just contact me and we can talk and together. Yeah, Todd's, Todd's a great friend. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yes, and if you do want mentorship under Todd, you can totally reach out to Todd. Yes. Personally, and like we said in the beginning, we'll have all his. All the links will be yeah. in the episode notes, so you know how to follow him and get in touch with him so he can bring his amazing services into your business or salon or however you want to work with him. He's a great hairdresser. You can get your hair did. Like... <laughs> All the things, Todd. Thank you so much for coming thank today. You so thank much. you so much. This was really a beautiful thank conversation. You, thank you, and thank you everyone out there for listening and being a part of this conversation. Yeah, we really, really value you guys. If this resonated with you, or you know a young cosmetologist that you think that this you know conversation would support, then screenshot this episode, put it in your stories, tag Badass Ladies Club, tag Todd, and we will reshare that information with you. We love you guys so much, and have a beautiful week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.